0: Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks.
1: I don't care if I never get back. Oh man.
2: Brad's the best. Thank you for that Brad. Thank you guys for coming out despite the fact that the Cardinals are on TV and rapidly progressing to the playoffs. so for you faithful that came out for Bethel Radio Hour, we are really thankful for you. Um, so tonight we're going to continue in our life of Jesus. We're going to be in Mark again, the Gospel of Mark. This is going to be Chapter 3. Um, and just kind of a, a little bit of an overview here. The Gospel of Mark is, a short, is the shortest gospel, is it not? It's more like a newspaper version. It's more um, talking about what Jesus did and not so much. Everything he said, so kind of like a newspaper. It, it's shorter, it's condensed, it kind of gets to the point. And just as a review, we said this last year a few times, but what is the point of the Gospels? when we're talking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what is the point of the gospels?
3: So they uh, give a, it's like four people watching the same uh, you know fill in the let's blank. let's say a baseball game. Yeah, it's the same baseball game, right? So you got one guy that's in left field stands, one's in the right field stands. One's at third base, and the other guy's right behind home plate. And each one of them are going to see a different game. It's going to be the same results, but they're, and they're all right in their opinion, but it's going to be different opinions about that game. Um, in the case ahead.
0: of Mark, it was somebody interviewing somebody that was at the game.
3: Correct. Correct. Uh, because Mark uh, was not a disciple. Uh, Matthew was a disciple. Luke was not a disciple either. Uh, John was a disciple. So he had two disciples and two non-disciples. The non-disciple, and what I mean by that is they weren't one of the 12. Uh, Luke was a physician, and so he had a completely different approach to things.
2: And he gives extra little details about things. We just talked about that, how a few weeks ago Jesus healed... A withered hand and Mark leaves it it's the right hand a detail that's not in the other Gospels and that would be like him to say you know a right hand for most people that are right hand dominated (laughs) if you didn't have your right hand use that'd be a problem but he gives us little details like that it's kind of nice Um, so we've been in the the Gospel of Mark so Mark chapter 3 this is verse 7 I'm gonna give really what we wanted to talk about the most tonight um, is Jesus call calling the disciples um, which occurs in chapter 3, verse 13. But I really didn't want to skip over There's just this little section. Um, I feel like we, we would have done a disservice to just skip over it. So if you have your Bibles, this is Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea and Jerusalem and Idume, and beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon, and great mul- and a great multitude. And when they heard how many things he was doing, when they heard how many things he was doing, it came they came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they might crush him. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him, and the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. So just a little bit about Jesus up to this point. Um, He's pretty popular. He's really popular uh, in some good ways, some bad ways. Um, But regardless, it's talking about how huge multitudes of people follow him. possibly not all believers, maybe some just curious. Correct. Um, but literally they came from all areas. They name all these areas here which it's easy to glaze over that, like yeah yeah, Judea and Jerusalem and Jordan. What they're saying is like as as far as there were people, there were people coming to see him. As far as word can travel about this Jesus, they were they were coming to meet this Jesus. Um, to a point where he was literally mobbed and and crowded like a mob scene is how, you know, I picture the paparazzi and you know, how it is in Hollywood these days, and a celebrity gets out and there literally can just be, um, he had that kind of celebrity status in his time. Um, People were full of disease, they had illnesses, they were demon-possessed, and really they were a people that had no hope. Um, There weren't many ways to cure most of their diseases, they had no way to do that, they had no way to cast out demons, they were dominated by false religion. I picture it kind of like Satan was having a heyday. He was literally yeah. just doing whatever yeah, he yeah, wanted.
3: Yeah, yeah, carte blanche, right.
2: And the people, it's safe to say, were desperate. I mean, could you right. see the desperation in this crowd? Um, so much so that they they would do anything just to touch him because they knew the power was coming out of him.
0: And one of these says he, he healed them all. Right. Yeah. So uh, that, that I think, is the basis of this uh, these accolades and this, this great acclaim is... The guy that we talked about last week with a withered arm, can you imagine him going back to his home completely restored and you know, walks up to a friend a friend looks at him and says, hey, what's yeah. with the hand? And it's not going to be kept secret very well. No. The, what he's doing is not going to be kept secret very well.
3: I the, heard it. Oh, go ahead. No, you're fine. I, I was just going to say that, that the, the approach in that day when the doctor couldn't fix something and he couldn't fix most things was isolation. You know, we, we don't know what you got, and we don't want it to spread. So, I'm sorry, but we're, you're going to have to go to the caves, you know, or whatever the cave, And and of course, the Old Testament set forth about leprosy, and, and such. But but that was also an approach to several things because you you couldn't take a chance. You know, uh, in this day and age, we don't quarantine anything. It seems like uh, we just hope for the best. But uh, because we think we can fix everything. Uh, but, but this was long before penicillin. Well,
1: uh, we do have the Ebola.
3: That's you right. Know, that's kind of the modern that's right. day. Yeah, you know? they, they quarantine for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they should. Mm-hmm. And they should. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, when, when, when they start seeing people with withered hands showing up uh, and, and people that used to be lame sitting at the pool of Bethesda, the walking now. Yeah, he, he drew crowds.
2: And so I would heard it said, just like Gavin had mentioned, that they think he cured all diseases. Because he had compassion. So it it had to be stressful, I imagine, and exhausting. If you were a person, just imagine what that would be like. He couldn't enter a town. He could no longer... He had to stay on the outskirts because he was just became a mass following everywhere he went. And I imagine... He was the Kanye of his day. He was... was (laughs) Well played. Uh, It it had to be exhausting. And yet he had compassion on all of them. It it never said... He was like, get these people away from... Get out of here. He never yelled at them. He, He felt... Sorry for that.
0: Even the, he kids. To help. Don't forbid, don't Look, the kids don't forbid. Look, I'm sorry. There's to.
3: a limit to what one person can do. <laughs> he never said that.
2: Um, and it says uh, in preparing for this Isaiah in Isaiah 42 one through four, it's a prophecy that said um, that the Messiah would deal gently with the Gentiles, and that ca- account is given in Matthew chapter 12. Um, but it just shows that he had great compassion. Um, towards all of these people and I think that's why it kind of even in the, Mark takes this point to just stop and pause and say look at all, look at all he's doing right. um, and then casting out the demons even when the demons would see him they would cry out thou art the son of God to this point how many times have we heard people refer to Jesus as this is the son of God
3: at this point not many uh, right. If any at all, right. I, I'm, right. I'm not
2: sure if at this point anybody had. Um, and he silences the demons. He says right. uh, he didn't want them to um, claim that he's the son of God. Why was that?
3: Well, for one, he doesn't need their their approval. You know, we're, we're talking about, uh, I, and, and you know, I, I, there's certain people we don't necessarily want accolades from. You know, we don't want the town drunk going around saying this is a great guy you know type thing i'm not we would like him here in church though you, you better believe <laughs> bring it. him on he's welcome you better believe it but the the thing is is that these are these are demons and and everybody there knows they're demons and he doesn't need their accolades and the such plus he's he, you know we're not even to a year in here and he needs to make it to three and a half years and of course you know i mean that brings a lot of discussion from the standpoint well it's the son of god couldn't he couldn't he control things and then my response would be, that's exactly what he's doing. He's trying to control the the the, ele- uh, the level, the
0: level of uh, exposure. Exposure and there. And
3: Thank you. Fame was the word I was mm-hmm. trying to look for that he has, and so he's just trying to keep it at at a, at a level keel.
2: And wouldn't you think of all the things if you saw a demon cast out? Wouldn't that be of a- all the things that you witnessed if you were there in Jesus' time. Like, well, yep, that settles it. This guy's the (laughs) real deal. Definitely definitely, the son of God. Because only
3: God can cast out a demon.
2: So up to this point, we're actually reaching a bit of a, what you could maybe even call a a tipping point or a crisis point in Jesus' ministry because he's got these great, huge crowds following him, which you would think would be a good thing, but they're not necessarily interested in spiritual things. Um, Right,
3: right. They're looking to... What they can get out of him. You know, what what can you do for me?
2: And then you've got religious leaders that are wanting to kill him, and now you've got the Herodians that are wanting to kill him. So you've got like um, an absolute plot to destroy in place.
1: So when we worry about our anxiety, you know, it was 24 7 for him
3: 24 7, yeah. There were three different times in his ministry where he prayed all night. you know, if you will, Jesus was the first one to do that. I don't I don't know of an Old Testament prophet that prayed all night, uh, and, and Jesus did it three times. There was also four times in his three-and-a-half-year ministry that he withdrew with the disciples. And I joked one time, I said, statistically, that's more than one time a year, you know. Right. And, and so it was important to him. He, He knew physically, as a human, what he had to do so that he could last the long haul.
2: And actually, I was going to mention, in, Luke, in Luke's account of this, um, it, it's Luke 6:12, and this is where Jesus does, it says, he spends the whole night in prayer. So you've got people trying to kill you, you've got people just trying to just touch you, just to be near you, um, and so what's the next step? He spends the entire night in prayer, it says Luke chapter right. um, 6, verse 12, and then he, next up, called 12 men to assist him. And then he preaches a sermon on the mound. So that's what—that's the next step.
1: That's—that's that's what he does. One thing you got to think of also: we talk about Christ's manhood. What—what what pain does that cause him, or anxiety? I don't know the proper word for God, but when you have that power, and technically you can't use it because if he just smited everybody, and that will sure. then, then he's not relatable anymore. It's
3: counterproductive. So,
1: yeah. So he's—he's he's got to stay in the boundaries of manhood with all that power that he knows he has mm. but yet all these people trying to kill him it's just
3: i think every mother and father can relate to that when their little 3-year-old bundle of joy has just went berserk and you physically have the ability to twist their head off <laughs> but you know you, you know can't number, do that. number one that's not socially acceptable number two it's not good for the child number three it's not good for you so you i mean you absolutely literally put your power under control Right. And you, you know, practice Lamaze <laughs> and you pray and you pick that child up and maybe they, hey, you know, these days they may be hitting you while you're holding them, you know, and, and, and uh, wow, but but you 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 literally have everything within you under control and you work with that kid. And, and, I mean, I'm being a little facetious.
1: In times that by all creation.
3: Right. You know. Right. But, but Jesus spoke the world into existence. He could, like you said, he could have, you know, well, at some, uh, according to Revelation, a sword is going to come out of his mouth someday and wipe out, you know, thousands of people. So we know he has the ability. Uh, and I think the biggest answer to your question there is love. He just loved yeah. us beyond. That's what
2: I was thinking, too. Like, even while he was watching them in their sin, in their plot against him, I think he still had so much love and compassion. It hurt him. It said the last week we talked about it. It hurt. He, he was hurt by their comments and their knowing that they were plotting to kill him. And, and it, I think it hurt him more than it angered him. And,
1: but forgive them. They know not what they do. Right. And that's, I think,
3: what. That probably wasn't the first time he said that. Right. You know, um, it was the first time it was recorded but the other times it was probably under his breath or just between him and the Lord, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, how many times do we do that in, in our relationships? We, we utter words to the Lord that nobody else hears because we're trying to keep that power under control as well.
2: All right, so here we have Jesus. He's called. He spent the night in prayer a whole night, and you said it's recorded a few times. This right. is one of those few times he spent the entire night up in prayer, and then he calls his 12 Disciples, or his apostles, as they'll be called. Um, And so this is where we pick up in Mark chapter 3. This is verse 13 through 19. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. So he chose them. These are his hand picked. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and they might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name um, Border, Borinorges.
3: That's good enough. Um,
2: the Sons of Thunder, which right. is kind of funny. He's kind of giving them nicknames. Like, can you see the oh, yeah. the intimacy there? And uh, just kind of a, a group of guys. And he, they all, you know, he renamed some of them. Some they call nicknames. Um, and then Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, son, um, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, whom betrayed him. And they went into a house. So he's called, he's called his 12. So this is where we're at. Um, kind of The rest of that was just setting up this point, which is he has called his 12 disciples. Um, and for what point? Why, why 12? Ooh,
3: I don't know that I've got an answer to that. Why 12, Gav?
0: 12, 12 is a number for government, isn't it? Isn't it the 12 patriarchs, yeah. the 12... Uh, I was thinking yeah. 12 tribes of Israel. 12 tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. Israel mm-hmm. patriarchs. That makes sense, yeah. Um,
3: and, and I don't know, has anybody ever studied that out? Are each of these guys from a different tribe?
0: I don't think so. I think they're all like, from Galilee, Judeans, aren't they? Okay. Are, mm-hmm. are they mm-hmm. all Judeans? Um, I could be wrong about that, but I thought they were all from that the seems same area. A little lopsided. It does. <laughs> it does.
3: <laughs> we we see which political party Jesus <laughs> is. Exactly I, from the tribe of, of Judah, right? Or Benjamin? The, which tribe is it? Judah is what I
0: thought. Judah? Okay. Jesus is from Bethlehem and yeah. from that area. So. That sounds right. Uh, sounds like we're getting an answer now. Yeah. So I, I just want to point out, this is k- kind of the final call, isn't it? Because Jesus went to the seaside and he called... Mm-hmm. Peter and well, Andrew and James so, and John from, yeah. the, from the away from their family's the, boats.
3: There's two schools of thought here. One school of thought is, is that and I think this one is based on ignorance that these guys had never seen him before and he just comes up and says follow me and they had blind faith. The other school of thought is, is that no, they, they grew up with this guy. They, they, they grew up watching him work and they saw all the things they were doing and they were already following him to some level uh, and basically a part of the smaller crowd that was not there just to get you know healed they were there because they really believe this guy's he's who he says he is yeah. and so he called them you know after prayer he, he knew that these were the 12 of course you know he, he knew why he was calling Judas Judas Iscariot also
2: and that was a question somebody had texted in and asked why would he call someone that he knew was going to betray him
3: because he came to die he came to somebody die. had to do it somebody had to do it You better believe it. Uh, And, you know, we won't get into this uh, bear right now, but there's the discussion of the sovereignty of God. God knows all things, and everything he does has a purpose, and he's in control of all things. Everything God does is right. And Now, I don't believe that God is the author of all things because you look at the book of Job. Uh, The devil comes up with some ideas, but God has to allow it. If if he doesn't allow it, he, he's not God, uh, type deal. And so, but what I'm trying to get at is is that, uh, you know, yes, the scribes and Pharisees were the instruments. Judas was the instrument. But Jesus, as soon as he had cognitive thought, after being a baby, he knew exactly what was going to happen uh, to him. And and and, and I mean, that's my opinion. Uh, I might find it difficult to prove in Scripture, but uh, I do not believe that he was surprised uh, that Judas betrayed him.
1: Well, and and I, you know, that's the same argument with Pharaoh. When it says Pharaoh's heart yeah. was hard, and you know, yeah. well, did God do that? Well, I, I heard it some... Says, it says he did. Right. But, but with Judas, the one thing, I've heard this before, and I would have to back it up with Scripture, but his greatest sin wasn't betraying Jesus. It was not trusting that Jesus could forgive him for the betrayal. That's a good point.
0: So uh, getting back to the, the intimacy of this group, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in, in Life of Jesus, how that one of the disciples who was called, I think Andrew, went to Simon Peter and said, come and see a man who told me everything I knew. Or one went to another and come and see a man I and believe is the Messiah. So they they, they had a, must have had a group of uh, people that regularly got together were... Uh, knew each other because they would go to each other and say hey come see this guy um who I who looks like he's going to be the messiah who is the messiah so there was some intimacy there already and i just thought it was interesting that now we've got the actual commissioning of these the the 12 mm-hmm. and this is maybe just the 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 official declaration these are my 12 disciples
2: and it's inter- you said commissioning and this was kind of leading up to my next point so he commissions if you will these 12 Um, He's training them um, by his example and his teaching. Um, He's getting them ready to send out, to preach the gospel. Um, And he's giving them, it says, the authority to heal and to cast out demons. Um, So basically, they're they're plan A, and there is no plan B. These 12 men are to continue Jesus' work when he returns to the Father, um, and he's training them to carry out his ministry um, after he's gone. And this is... The plan. They are the plan.
3: They are going to be the pastors of the first church at Jerusalem. They are are going to be the pastors. When the the church was empowered, uh, Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, they were the pastors. The 120 were their families and friends and neighbors and relatives. Uh, They were the members, if you will. And then on that first day, they had 3,000 added. Then later they had five thousand added, so on and so forth. Well, can you imagine a church that size is going to have more than one pastor? Uh, and and they did, and they had they had the apostles as their pastors. Go ahead.
2: Well, and I was thinking, and against all odds, like yes, no these doubt. guys were just fishermen. Yeah,
3: fishermen. Uh, and, none and of
2: them um, applied. Tax collector. Yeah, some and even. Stum of
3: the earth, really. A zealot, one a, a a zealot, a political zealot,
2: and unlike. Could have been a rapper could have been a he'll even use a wrapper do you see that but if you've got one that's a zealot which um was kind of an extremist if you will and and he would have hated the levi the tax collector they would have if they would have known each other in a regular setting they would have hated each other why do you think jesus called
3: him the son of thunder that that was not a compliment jesus was marking these two what rest of you guys, watch, watch these two.
1: <laughs> Those are the guys everybody knows when That's they right. walk in. They will
3: <laughs> nail you to the wall if you, give, if you give them two cents type thing. But
2: they had, they had no higher education. They weren't some kind of spiritual. Um, mm-hmm. They were nobodies in the spiritual world, essentially. Um, no training. There was no, I'm going to apply for this job to be this apostle. Um, they were essentially just ordinary people. They were just normal guys.
0: I used to think that there was that Jesus was waiting for the right 12 guys to be on earth for him to come. Hmm. And then then that that was the timing. But I've changed my mind on that. I think any 12 people who Jesus calls Amen. and they submit, Amen. they're going to be like him. Eventually, they're going to be changed.
3: What do, what do we say? You know, it doesn't matter about your ability. It matters about your availability. And all 12 of these men were available. Uh, l- let me say a few things, because I know we're running out of time. They knew the potential threat to their lives.
2: And they all did, most of them. The majority of them were crucified or brutally right. executed, like none of them. It was not pretty pictures no. for them once they took this
3: road. A- and even though it's, it's going to sound like I'm putting tongue in cheek, I'm, I'm really not. I'm, I'm trying to use this so that, so that we can really relate. It would be like President Trump asking you to serve on, on his cabinet right now. you, you got to know that you're signing up to be crucified. That's what you're doing. And these men absolutely knew that we're fitting to go against the scribes and Pharisees. We're going to be dirt. But they did it. They understood the risks, and they still followed him. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to revisit uh, the seven realities of experiencing God. If you Google that, it'll come right up. God is at work. God loves you and wants a relationship with you that's real and personal. God wants you to join him in his work. God will speak to you through his word, his spirit, his church, and other Christians and circumstances. God's invitation to join him will lead to a crisis of belief, and that's, that's what we're talking about. And then what you do next tells what you really believe about God, and you will experience him as you obey him. Any one of those 12 individuals that would have said thanks, but no thanks, would have missed what their life was created to be about. Asking, we. That's right.
2: I think it's important to note um, they were prone to failures. They were prone to sin, um, to struggles. They were just
3: like us.
2: Yeah. Uh, and they, I think they. it right. even says Jesus told them at times they struggled with their faith. They lacked understanding. Um, they came back, and, and God had given these powers to heal and cast out demons. And they're like, oh, it's not working. I mean, right. they, they were struggling. But by Acts, the book of Acts, they get the job done, obviously, because we're here today. Like, none of us would be here right now if they hadn't figured it
3: out. So, so, so think about that. Uh, you know, they, they did a comedy of errors for three years. It was a comedy of errors for these guys. And then, of course, the, the ultimate, there wasn't a single disciple that passed the test no. when Jesus was arrested. Every One of, one of them left naked. <laughs> he ran away naked. Because the soldier grabbed his clothes, he peeled out of them and left. And, and so That's when you know you're scared. Though, scared. <laughs> <laughs> Running through the woods naked. Right. Scared to death. Well, but then you fast forward, like you said, through Acts, and you get to that pinnacle where Peter and John are going to the temple to preach, and the beggar mm-hmm. says, can I have some money? And Peter just rolls off the tongue. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And he rose up and walked. I mean, you know, Peter had hit his stride. Right. Peter had hit his stride.
1: And this is the man in one time. Jesus I screwed
3: said, up Raleigh. Jesus
1: said, get behind yeah. me, Satan. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. the, the leader of the pack, to be chastised by the Son of God himself that way, amazing. And,
3: and, and get this, he had to forgive himself to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. To love others, well,
1: you, love yourself. Yeah, you,
3: you don't know what I've done. Well, but if Jesus knows and he still loves you, we're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: It kind of reminds me of the song. Do you remember Nicole C. Mullins? She had a song probably 10 years ago now, and uh, it's called When I Call on Jesus is the name of the song, but it starts out, I'm so very ordinary. I'm nothing special on my own. But when I call on Jesus, mountains are going to fall. There you go. Um, One last point, and it wouldn't be complete without a John MacArthur reference, uh, but something he said on this topic was, our Lord uses ordinary, weak, Ignorant, failing saints. Guess why? It's the only kind there is. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the group. Doesn't hey, have much to work with, does he? yeah All right. So we'll take a break and do. I'm just saying. Anybody have an I'm just saying tonight? I was gonna. I had nothing, and then I was like, Oh, I'm just saying. Go Cardinals. Does anybody have a score no. update? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you. And right. if somebody can find out when they play Let's next, make it spiritual. To Praise right. the Lord. Yeah. Praise amen. The Lord. It was a miracle.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you no doubt. I, that, you, you, know, you know what happened. Uh, these Cardinals have listened to some radio. Jack Flaherty has had the least run support of any pitcher, statistically. They've given him no run support. But he's been the best pitcher in this second half of the season. And I think they got tired of it, and they went out and scored 10 runs in an inning. So did there. Something. Yeah. there you go. Yeah, Help shut your pitcher <laughs> out. <laughs> do a little something. Help your pitcher yeah. out once. Right, yeah. right, right. Hey, yeah, let's do something different.
1: <laughs> so uh, my I'm just saying was a Kanye minute. All right. Of course. I can read fast. But we, we actually had a little meeting about Kanye today. Oh, and boy. And, uh, I'm just the, No, no, it's, it's a good thing. We talked about there's not another family on earth like this family. Oh, no, so weird. as a lowly Christian, small-town stupid, you know, to see something that has potential to be big is exciting.
2: You can't help and, what, who your family members right,
1: are. Right, right. So I just had a couple uh, things that Kanye's been saying that, you know, you, you're judged by your fruit. And, you know, Pastor Ben, we've, we've joked back and forth. Let's see what he's doing. Well, these are a few things. Um, as soon as he began to speak at this rally, he had 9,000 people the other day. Somebody said, thank you, Kanye. Kanye responded, who said thank you, Kanye? I want you to say, what I want you to say is thank you, Jesus. So that's one of them. Um, he said, I've never made a decision based on my color. He said, that's a form of slavery, mental slavery. I, I don't drink from white people water fountains. I ain't playing with people like that. All these mind controllers, the media, all of these mind controllers, I find wherever Christ is, where I've got my mind at. We find that the love of Christ is where I've got my mind back, he said. Um, He said, by having the luxury of an amazing choir around me every Sunday, he continued, I came to know the truth and the joy of Jesus Christ. This album has made me, this gospel album he's talking about, has made to be an expression of the gospel and to share the gospel and the truth of what Jesus has done to me. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he does for me, my soul cries out. So these are his words. let me see here. And one of his lyrics is, God, show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down, he says in the song. The only thing that I pray is that my feet don't fail me now, and I don't think there's nothing I can do now to right my wrongs. I want to talk to God, but I'm afraid because we haven't spoken in so long. And he's on a journey. I'm still praying for him. Amen. And at the moment, you, he's you knocking down. He can a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. six Amen. to 10,000 people are showing up to see him. He's the least of the speakers he has preachers preaching, and he just disappears. So I'm rooting for the guy. Yeah, he's yeah.
0: Uh, he's walking toward, towards Christ. it. Mine's not nearly so spiritual as that. <laughs> yeah, you know, ever when you're a kid, you heard a song and you were, we're shot. Really? I really? <laughs> mean, is it about it like on,
1: dog yeah. poodle diarrhea or mm-hmm. something? That was you've yeah. had that a few times. Yeah, hey, uh,
0: you've had dog poodle. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Come see me after the yeah, show. Yeah, you a got to pay for that. that. <laughs> we'll deworm you. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. It wasn't so, spiritual so It, I it think. wasn't spiritual, you just yes. Lost your eyes. I lost completely. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Good. What I'm a way saying. to go. Yes. Uh, so, when you were a kid, do you ever hear a song and you you misunderstood what the lyrics were sure. saying. Oh, my goodness, um, yes. Like, Little Early Plurly and Pickman and were Whirly and asked Me If I Needed a Ride, and I, every, that song, Blinded yeah. by the Light. I never knew what that said until I, I sang it so many different ways. I well, don't know I what did, you just said. I so. did, <laughs> I'm not even sure that's the words I'm to I'm not it, even sure then, if I am that, uh,
3: old enough to hear what you just said.
0: <laughs> Anyway, so I didn't know it could happen with Christian songs, and okay. it did to me with the new song by Lauren Daigle, Rescue. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, I hear you, uh, when she when sing a song, she goes into one line that says, I hear you, wish you, wish you, wish you, wish you, wish I was like, what is that?
1: It's SOS. <laughs> yes.
0: Thanks, Tara. Thanks. You're That was it. so easy to, to hear that. But she would sing, I hear your, the first line, I can't think of the first line. I hear you
2: whisper underneath your breath. Underneath
0: your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. But I was hearing the wish, a wish, a wish, a wish. Because she has a little (laughs) bit of a speech. She has a little bit of a speech. Sorry. That's funny. I'm just saying it can happen in Christian music as well as. I heard my
1: wife, she'd be embarrassed if I said something about it. But I heard her singing to one of those Christian songs, and the, the line was, He rolled the stone away. And she thought it said, he rode the sun away. <laughs> and I'm like, but still, that was a beautiful picture. Right. You know, Jesus could ride the sun away if he wants
0: I, to. But I, that's what I said. You the maybe just corrected that one for me, too, because I think <laughs> that's what I said. He rode the sun <laughs> yeah. away.
3: Rolled the stone. Pretty sure. I thought that's maybe, what the. Maybe meant. they offer a remedial yeah. Lauren yeah. Daigle. It's time yeah. for hearing aid, the Kanye I think. Singers.
0: I've been yeah.
2: making up words of songs for years, like, there's a baboon on the right. I mean, that's <laughs> got to be what he's saying. It's, there's a baboon on the right.
3: Yep. Oh, boy. Anyway. <coughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> I'm All right.
2: So our next topic um, was essentially following up with how we we're talking about, you know, Jesus called the disciples. They weren't um, anything special. They were just going about their daily lives. They were just doing what they knew to do, and Jesus calls them to this higher calling. Um, and we are going to discuss amongst each other here, uh, when was the time in your life, and, and think about this for yourself at, as well, when Jesus called you to a deeper involvement in your Christian walk or um, just a deeper calling yourself?
3: So I, first I want to say to this that a lot of good, well-meaning Christians get confused, and I think that's on purpose. In other words, the devil is involved in that. That Too many folks, when they, when they get that call to that deeper life, they wrongly assume that, oh, I'm being called to the ministry. And even though many, many people are called to the ministry and we need that, every believer is gonna be called to a continual deeper walk with Christ. And so you can be doing what, in other words, whatever it is that you're doing right now, that's God's call upon your life.
1: He says we're all called as a royal priesthood.
3: That's right. And, And whether that's a carpenter or or working at Six Flags, or working in the vet, working in the cath lab, whatever the case may be. And so I thought it would be good in relation to this to just each one of us share very quickly that call. And if anybody out there wants to text theirs, that'd be great. Uh, I was 17, 18. God started calling me to take him seriously. He asked me, and this is just a true story. He asked me to quit sleeping in church because that's what I was doing. I was not listening to my father pastor i thought he was boring uh start start listening it was amazing how good of a preacher my dad became when i started listening start responding at one point i did not feel freedom to not respond to the sermon on some level the holy spirit basically said there's something to start and something to stop every time god's word is presented and then i just that was me uh, start being holy. I had to get rid of the, the music in my life at the time, uh, start cleaning house. I'd allowed some, some strongholds in my mind and the such. It was not a holy place. Uh, and then that, that newfound interest allowed me to hear his call to preach. So before he called me to preach, he called me to a closer relationship to him. Uh, then around the time uh, of the internship, God called me to soul winning and discipleship. And by internship, I mean when I was here. When I came here to do my internship at Central Baptist College, which was 20, hmm, 30 years ago, uh, John Smith was pastoring here. Gavin was attending here. He was the youth and music guy. And I'm telling you, uh, I discovered what Christianity was all about because I saw it in true fashion in John and Deborah and Gavin and others here at the church. And I realized I I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything for God. I wasn't winning people to Christ. I wasn't discipling. I wasn't, I I was just being a Christian. Uh, But I wasn't even doing that very well. And so God called me to that, if you will, to that deeper thing. It's, uh, when you think about that deeper calling, it's easy to ignore. So this is what I want you to think before we give it to Gavin, Tom, and, and Tara. It's unmistakable, that that call, but it is missable. You can miss it. God is the perfect gentleman. He's not going to necessarily beat you over the head to get you to do the right thing. He's going to ask you to do the right thing, and you've got to be listening.
1: And I think with spiritual growth and maturity, though... He is faithful to convict you. Oh, no doubt. You'll know when you yeah. messed up. Now no you, you can still suppress that. Wait for the next go around. Well,
2: it's easy to stay distracted. We're in a yeah. world where, I mean, distraction—it's like Satan's greatest tool. Like, you let's bet. just keep them busy. You sure. can't hear from God when they're at that pace. What was what time was Who, you next? say? You're. Uh, what was? Did you have a time where you could tell there was like a deeper calling for your life?
1: I uh, I always from early. Second grade, I remember trying to do the right things. So when you're a second grader, you know, that don't matter. I remember I stole $10 from Katie McKenney and I just felt conviction, conviction. I hid it in my desk, I told on myself, Mr. Wagner, I hid it in the bushes out in the front. And he said, you know, he didn't whip me, he could've. And I just felt, you know, bad for that. I knew sure. that wasn't right. We weren't in a church family. I remember when I was around 11, um, I had a group, I was we used to run up and down the roads, free, you know. And I remember a group of kids in a Jeep come by just harassing me, and it scared me so bad. And I remember calling out to God to help me. You know, I still, so I always felt his hand on me, trying to do the right things. And it wasn't until I was 16 that um, I was at a point in my life that I thought it was over. I didn't see a way forward, and I laid on the hood of a truck in Lake St. Clair and basically asked God if he was who he said he is. Um, I couldn't do it, and I accepted Jesus into my life that night. And... But a couple years later, you know, I joined the military and went way, wayward, you know, lived the military life. But um, I was married the whole time, and I felt God's hand on me overseas. I talked to you a few times. I remember I called you from Japan, and that is because young men can do terrible things, and nobody will ever know you did. And I was faithful to my wife. I stayed out of the strip clubs, and uh, I give that to God. Amen. And, and when I come back, it wasn't until there was always something I was missing, And uh, everybody knows I love to talk. Everybody knows I love to, you know, create stuff. And uh, I got an opportunity to preach, and I loved it. You know, it was a big elaborate ordeal, you know. It wasn't a normal message. And then we were attending a different church, and we came to the Easter Walk. And everybody knows that story. And I saw the the love of Christ with all these people doing this for me. Who am I? You know, they're putting on this play for me, you know. And the, what it did for my daughter, asking those questions. She was four, and she said, did the soldiers who crucified Jesus go to hell? As a four-year-old. And and I just, I felt it more and more and more. And then, I've always loved poetry, but it always fell flat. When I started writing gospel poetry, which is just making the Bible rhyme, it related to people. So any avenue I've taken that is Christ-centered has just blossomed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's given me a, a temperament to not judge i still judge but i'm that split second i don't judge those people because just like with uh greg's gas station signs don't hate somebody because they sin differently than you okay. and I, I love that use the measure on others as you want used on you and that's helped guide me in my life and now going to my children and mm-hmm. so i don't know That's a long winded answer but my life's been a lot better since i met jesus amen
0: my mine isn't as spiritual as Tom's. Of course, <laughs> <And> once again, <laughs> That's I, why I look you can't go uh, here. a little comic relief. I, I can't. I can't remember a, a specific calling on my life. I feel like, with my life experience, I was a Christian early on through high school, and my parents divorced when I was just going off to college, and I fell off the deep end then and just walked away from God. I, I didn't stop believing in God. I knew God existed, but I didn't feel like He was interested in me with my life experience and spent two years doing whatever I wanted to do. And we had this discussion Monday with my with my son and get the kids that are doing a Bible study together. Um, So I did everything, basically everything I did, I regretted doing in those in that two years uh, for the rest of my life and then just got to the end of that two years and was so empty, so devoid of purpose, so without the hope that I had enjoyed in high school I just had, I was done. I said, God, I'm done with you know pursuing anything other than you. You've got to show me that you're God and you've got to show me that you have a purpose and a plan for me. And ever since then, I feel like I've been the juice box Christian that uh, Tara talked about the other day. Got uh, to do
2: your juice box praying.
0: Juice box and uh, juice box obeying. Hey God, hey God, look, look, look. I found it, I found a truth in your word. I found the truth. God, watch, watch, watch this, watch this. That's kind of been my Christian growth cycle. Is Did look at this, know? look at this. Yeah, look, that watch, 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 watch this, watch this. Jesus, Jesus, you're watching. That that's kind of been my the way I feel like I've walked through my Christian uh, life and I don't, I feel like I'm still being called to to things, and I've pursued some things that I've had a definite reprimand for pursuing, so repenting and refocusing has kind of been the way my Christian, adult Christian life is going. Amen. Good
3: stuff. Well,
2: I heard something today. Um, It was a sermon that was several years old, but it kind of made me think about me, but he said, I'm not what I should have been, I'm not what I could have been, but I'm not who I was. <laughs> and I think sometimes there's a, that's okay. There's a lot of grace in that. But um, I've been coming here for 10 years, I guess now almost. Um, and I was perfectly content. And I've you know, been in church my whole life, always was raised in church. And i um, more than happy to just sit on the outskirts, and uh, you can't know the extent to which, believe it or not, I like to fly under the radar. Like, I am totally happy with that. And, uh, you know, I was always here every Sunday morning, here on Wednesday night with Awana, and honestly, Ben, you're the one that approached me, and I don't know if you maybe regretted it or not, but um, <laughs> not to all. do this Bible study. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you knew, I had at um, the church I attended before this that I w- did... Um, teach Bible studies and I, I really did enjoy it um, you might be thinking like well, I, I didn't know that uh, I didn't know that maybe I still have I a lot done of room my, to move I had grow vetted there. You
3: before I came and asked you. Huh. <laughs> uh,
2: having said that I, I you know I was like yeah oh, you know what this this has happened to me I get asked to do things and maybe this is God telling me I need to do something else because if left to my own account I will just sit in the you know in the back and be fine with just sitting in the back um, but just what this Bethel Radio Hour has done for me is just poured me back into Bible study and, and listening to solid preaching and I'm digging out my dad's old commentaries that I'm like, Warren Weersby who the heck? Oh, you know I mean, just digging into really solid teaching. Right. Um, and then at first, it was work. And it wasn't, it, it was work and I struggled with it and I didn't always enjoy it. And now it's become delight. And I think that's the, where we need to get is at first it's work, and then it becomes what you Discipline are.
3: Discipline leads to something that leads to delight. Yeah. Todd and Melissa yeah, that are was, big on that. Discipline to duty to delight, something mm-hmm. like that.
2: And that can be true of a lot of you know, good habits you want to get into right. um, in right. life, but certainly the most important habit would absolutely be reading the Bible and spending time alone with God. And that has changed. Vastly over the last five years for me. Um, and again, it, I would love to just kind of, you know, sit, come into church and just, you know, do the right thing, type, look nice, be nice to people, shake hands, um, you know, and then just go home and watch TV, read a book, not really dig into the Bible. And, and is there anything wrong with that? No, not doing anything depends, wrong. Depends per on se. God's calling. Yeah. Right. Not doing something specifically wrong, but not certainly. Um, living up to what God could use me for. I believe that all of us, listening to my voice right now, have talents and skills and gifts that are God-given, um, and they're all different. If, if he only thought one gift was important, then he would have only given all of us the same gift, you and bet. that's what we've got. But all of us are good at very different things. Um, and if you're not currently using it, um, which I wasn't for years. I mean, years. I was just like, I'm, I'm high. you know, I'm here <laughs> checking the box. Um, and it's become a totally different game for me at this point. So that's my story.
3: And, and so l- let me just share with you again, uh, we do this on occasion, the impetus, if you will, of this. And, and again, you can look around the crowd. This isn't everyone's cup of tea. And we cannot thank you enough for it, whether it is or not you <laughs> enduring it in coming and being here, because without the audience, we really don't have. Much
1: they are still waiting on us to offend somebody. It's like a NASCAR probably. car crash. We <laughs> got to do that once <laughs> on a radio show.
3: So, um, and I've had people tell me, you know, it's it's really just not my thing. I respect that. Here, here's the deal: when we had a straight up Bible study for 15 years, guess how many people we had come? 15, and and that's you know, 15 to 25 is what we have now. So. Whether we went back to a straight-up Bible study, we'd probably be having 15 people. So I'm thrilled that you guys are faithful to this, but let me share this with you. We needed something different so that I could do some training with the deacons. And I was asking God. Number one, I knew we had a Bible teacher here sitting in the wings that needed to be used. Gavin's Lord got help. some information and wisdom that everybody needs to hear. Uh, we had young preachers. Uh, Todd was sitting that seat for a while and the such we had young preachers that needed to be used and uh, none of them wanted to necessarily teach a bible study but they were willing to be a part of something and it was around that time that God started bringing Tara to Bethel and after, what was it? two weeks that you came maybe two weeks I saw her at Walmart and I said hey just want to just want to put a bug in your ear if you would be willing to produce, in quotations, a Bethel radio hour, I would love to have you be a part of that. You would just be one of a panel of four or five, and we would discuss topics and such of that nature. Just think and pray on it. And, and, but what she might not remember is when three, two, three years previous to that, at a honor society deal, believe it or not, one of my kids made the honor society. <laughs> <laughs> And I was exposed, if you will, to Terry Yerke. had never seen or heard her speak before. And she spoke to these people she had never met before. And she did an excellent job. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And then when she started coming to Bethel, I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord, could, could we use her? Could we use her? And I knew the foundational situation that she had went through with her marriage. And I know how the devil works. And the devil would love to have put her and anybody else in that situation in the corner and never use them again. But well,
2: and something I've never really shared before is that's, uh, and I've even said this for years, I struggled with being anything in this church cause I felt like, oh, I'm not as perfect as everybody else here. I've, you know, I've gone through a divorce and I'm just like, you know, and you would be faithful to say there's no sub Christians at the cross unless you feel like you're already a sub Christian at the cross. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was something that Satan was absolutely working on me for. So I don't know what anybody's past is here and how perfect or unperfect it's been, um, but I do know this, that God still wants to use it. That's
3: right. Failure's not final with Jesus. So I uh, said all that to say this, and I shared this with her today because I wanted her to hear it from me before she heard it here. I, regularly, I'll have people tell me that they can't make it here, but they listen faithfully, and God is using this podcast to help them. So I am at the restaurant with a fellow pastor, pastor of a sister church, his wife, is dying of a brain tumor she's going to be gone in the next three months most likely she's already outlived what they said but i'm having lunch with this guy and we're we're sharpening each other we're talking about what god's doing in the church and he stopped and he went hey that brh thing that's amazing and then he said and that woman man she studies She's prepared. girl. girl. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sitting here thinking. <laughs> One of us has to. Tara. Yeah. No. Oh. Oh.
1: Amen. In two. Uh-huh. I was going to say, though, it's probably my voice because every,
3: <laughs> every time I go through the Well, is McDonald's, her name, is her name Tom or Tara? Oh. <laughs> yeah. that's, oh, fine. that's So, anyway, funny. enough of tooting our own horn Yeah, I need Bottom all that. line sure. is all glory to God, uh, but there are people listening. There are people coming. Thank you, thank you. And listen. God needs us, not from the standpoint that he's needy. He needs us to do what he's asked us to do. Watch this, because we experience him when we do it. Amen. When we obey him and get involved, we experience him.
2: He wants to bless us. That's it. All right, so topic three that we have 10 minutes to dive into uh, <laughs> might be carried over into sure. our next time. But, um, Ben, I'm going to let you set this up. This was yours. and. It was a bit of a mouthful, so I'm going to let this uh, baby ride for you.
3: There you go. Uh, Real quick, uh, in the first segment, Larry had uh, chimed in, the prophets and apostles were not hated and put to death for preaching love. Love, they were hated for teaching the truth, and uh, amen to that. So uh, i got to get to my, um, because I did not put it over in my iPhone, so it's in my phone here. I'm almost there. This is just really, honestly, a discussion starter on standards. Uh, Have you ever been around a family that they've got standards for everything, and if they're not careful, they try to hold you to those same standards in the name of, this is biblical, you know, and it may be, okay? But here's what I want to try to spur some discussion on. We have Bible standards that all of us agree. We're supposed to be soul winners. We're supposed to be righteous, so on and so forth. And then we have church standards. We're supposed to attend faithfully. We're supposed to support financially. We all agree with that. But then when you get to that house at 641 Bethel Church Road, the Kingston Five have standards. When my, all of my kids were under 18 because I have two adults now, and I let them make their decisions. The, I've made it very clear there are some decisions that if you choose to make, your rent's gonna go up to 1500 a month uh, and such of that nature, <laughs> you know. Uh, but you're an adult, you, you're an adult. But when they were younger, the, we, didn't, we didn't go to R-rated movies, uh, we don't let certain uh, videos come in the house, so on and so forth. We've got Kingston standards. In the first five to ten years of my ministry, I struggled with seeing those as just Kingston standards. And and if I wasn't careful, I was judging the people that didn't hold those same standards. Well, that's a sin, you know? Um, And so, and, and Tom brought it up. This is so important, guys. You can biblically judge, but you've got to be willing to be judged by the same measuring stick that you're judging others. So... I don't want to be held necessarily to your standards. So that was an unbiblical judging on my part. If I wasn't willing to submit myself to Tom Nazis, so so let's just say, you know, that Tom's going to, if I'm going to expect him to only go to PG movies, he can turn around and say, well, then you need to start homeschooling your children. Well, now all of a sudden, oh my goodness. And and that's not to say on any level that it's wrong to homeschool, but it may be wrong for the Kingston Five to homeschool. So so it it is a you got to go to the Lord and to the Word of God for those personal standards and leave those standards to God for everybody else. Uh, The verse is, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. Bill Gothard said it this way, others may, you cannot. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, I don't hunt on Sundays, but I don't mind if you do. That's between you and God. I I don't have any problem telling you that's where I've drawn my line, but I also don't have any problem with you being gone on the opening day of gun season because that's between you and God. Uh, So discuss.
1: That was a mouthful. <laughs> but no, but but it's We're all speechless. Well you summed up a, a lot of what I think I feel and that, that scares me. There's a, a phrase, pride comes before the fall. And anytime I've started like getting on somebody or somebody's got my goat, you know, whatever they just something they're doing's bugging me. Uh, it ends up happening to me or I end up doing something like that. And it was just not that long ago. A guy at work did something incredibly stupid. You know, it. I guess it could be fireable, but everybody piled on this guy because they already don't like him. You know, they just piled on, piled on him, and and I would always find myself in those discussions, and I wouldn't partake in it. You know, I kind of thought the same thing, but I thought what he did, I could easily do. It could be, and and so it almost scares me to those points of how, if if you're capable of thinking it, you're capable of doing, doing it. it. I've heard that from the pulpit here plenty of times, and uh, and I try to use that to guide me through my decisions because my goodness if we all have that secret sin life right. you know we all have those things in the closet that only us and our mom probably don't even know and you know we try we repent for those things but I don't want my closets opened up to the world and that's why I try not to banter other people's right. problems And
3: so, so how, though, how though do you come to a standard you know we don't necessarily need to talk about where you draw the line on a movie and such as much as how do you come to that decision on where you draw the line? You see what I'm saying?
1: I think um, of instant obedience to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, uh, my children still have some innocence. And um, I, I do attribute that in my family's life to, like, the homeschooling. You know, we went to this uh, the, the football game this last Friday, you know, and I see girls that are my daughter's age that look like 18-year-olds. You know, my daughter's 11, and I think the things, and I hear from these parents that, oh, my goodness, my son or my daughter learned this at school today. And, and I don't judge parents that don't homeschool, sure. but it was something that we felt like, if I can protect them, I'm not sure. shilling them, I'm just protecting them. A little bit longer, right. a little bit longer, you know, and that was a decision like myself, and my wife, we spent hours, Amen. hard hours, Amen. you know, my, they still, when something comes on TV, that's got a little bit of blood on, you know, the TV, they turn their heads real quick and they cover their eyes. I praise the Lord for that. Yeah. They're a little bit behind the curve as the world would say, I love but, it. but I'm happy about that. Yeah, you bet. And, uh, I'm, you know, and
0: I'm going to go to the altar after this. Son. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mine's not nearly as
0: for the third time. Not nearly as, I, I'm thinking and in my with head. And
2: the unspiritual segment, here's Gavin. <laughs> his
3: kids, when the blood comes, his kids go, Ooh! Yes. I, yeah, I was
0: just thinking of uh, some of the, the video on. games that my son plays. Another <laughs> uh, story, anyway. Death have you ever been dawn. to somebody's house where you obviously jumped into the wrong, you obviously broke a huge sacred standard unknowingly at their house? The awkward pause and uncomfortables that everybody's, like, you know, like the other kids in the, I'm talking about when I was a teenager. The other kids in the house instantly stiffened up, like, You're gonna die. Oh, yeah, it's gonna, you're yeah. gonna die. They're looking at I, I ran into a room with my yet. shoes on that you weren't supposed to have shoes on in the, in the room. And, and the sanctuary.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> is that a Missouri thing that you take mm-hmm. your shoes off? Is that a Missouri thing? I think that's a
0: hygiene I, thing. I, I think
2: that's like, I don't wanna vacuum that much thing. <laughs> Get those shoes off. <laughs>
3: but that's ex- a very
0: expensive carpet thing.
3: Okay, because I'm telling you right now. You take your shoes off in Arkansas, they're going to scream at you to put them up. <laughs> we don't want to
0: smell your stupid feet.
3: Get your shoes on, you idiot. Follow well, the, the razor. I get up here and everybody's chucking their shoes off and they walk in the house, I'm like, you don't know what mine smell like. It could be expediency. Well, Missouri's just like
1: Arkansas. We just have a little more class in money. That's all <laughs> that's it is. That's it.
2: That's the best way to describe it. We're just
3: high class. It, if you think you know. smelling each other's feet is high class, I'm, I'm telling you. I got.
0: Well, th- if I'm across the room and can smell <laughs> your feet, come on. Yeah. <laughs> the
3: other house, you can smell my feet when I came out of college, son.
2: Well, mine was a slightly bit more spiritual, I guess, but um, not now. too much more. Sorry. When it comes to standards, and I was sitting here thinking, like, I don't know, what are my standards? What standards do we have as a family? Have we established any standards? Yeah, well, maybe that's the next segment. Yeah. You need to
3: have some standards. So standard,
2: but I guess it's where I feel an uncomfortableness, or a guilt factor, or if something just isn't. It's it's just rubbing. It's just the it's not jiving right. I think that's whenever you know like that that's not that's not okay. Yeah. I mean, whether it's written in blood or not, it's just not okay.
1: We will watch myself and my wife watch an R-rated movie, and the kids won't be allowed. They'll watch a movie in their room. But there's been a a few movies that me and her thought was going to be great, and like halfway through, we're like, no, and we turn it off. You know, nobody's telling me to do it. You know, but it's like. You, the, the other thing I've heard before is what we do in moderation. Our children will do in excess, you know, and, and
3: that's scary. I can't even I, – I don't think I can remember the name of the movie, but it was a PG-13. So me and Benjamin and Tony went, and I told them both. I said, boys, if this gets bad, we're walking out. just want you to be prepared. It doesn't matter that I'm fixing to spend $30. bucks. i am not going to sit there and, you know, watch crud that I'm not supposed to watch. So after the movie, we're walking out, and – Tony's probably all 13 years old. Why didn't we walk out? Why I am talking about convicting. Yeah. Well, that's funny. You know, you talk
1: about standards. I'm I put you on the the bench right now but I remember I called you one time we were going to the movies and like Paul the Apostle was in theaters and I said is that what you're going to see he's like now we're going to see Thor Ragnarok <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know? I have openly confessed that I struggle with going to <laughs> quote unquote a spiritual movie before I see you the know, movie they, I want to see
1: they changed those
3: uh those Thor, PG things in movies.
2: his defense Thor Ragnarok was an awesome, it was an movie. awesome <laughs> movie
1: but you know we tried sharing with our children the Still movies that we grew up puzzle, with yeah. we, we talked about that it's on the list we talked about that not that long ago, how the movies we watched when we were kids, Right. I watched about like, oh, holy terrible. cow, the terrible. language and the oh, yeah. my suggestive humor, yeah. unbelievable.
2: Like Tombstone, I could not wait to watch Tombstone with my boys, and we yeah. watched
1: it, and I'm like, ew, was there this
2: much cussing <laughs> well, when I was, was 12
1: I and I watched this? I had never seen it, Howard the Duck. Lindsay's like, oh, I loved that when I was a kid. He goes to a strip bar for half the movie. We yeah, read it for our kids, and we were like, oh, no, my goodness. Dude, turn it off. Yeah, yeah. Turn it off. Things you don't remember.
2: All right. So glad we kept that spiritual yeah. we sum it up know. there. Um, so next week is family night, so we won't have our normal Bethel Radio Hour. Um, so if you're here with Awana kids, we'll be doing an outdoor movie, weather permitting, indoor movie, weather not permitting. Um, and then we will resume next the following week with Bethel Radio Hour.
0: Thanks everybody.
1: Thanks a lot,
2: guys.
3: I
0: hear
3: your race always.